The Way BK podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation he provides for all who submit to him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss The Way. King David's story is found within a book that's actually not named after him. I mean, David's actually the main character when you read through number of chapters and focus. It's all kind of oriented toward him. And yet the majority of this, well, besides other stories that are recorded in other places, his story is recorded in a book that bears the name of Samuel. Uh, the book of Samuel begins with Samuel. He's actually the first kind of primary character that's introduced, and he's, he's a key figure throughout the book. Except not through the whole thing. Really only through the first two-thirds of the first half of the story. So I don't know what all the math is on that exactly, but you can put it together. It's kind of interesting. Now, maybe part of the reason for that, who knows all the reasons, but one thing we can at least draw from it or remember by that namesake of the book is that Samuel was a big deal. Samuel was a prophet much like Moses who brought restoration to the people and saved them from trouble. Um, Samuel was somebody who the ki- who anointed the first two kings of Israel, really establishing the kingdom of Israel, bringing them out of the dark period of the judges when everything was messed up. Read the book of Judges if you want to get bummed out sometime about how bad people can get. Uh, Samuel was a source of wisdom, strength, advice, help for Saul when he was being godly at least, uh, and for David. He was a refuge. How do you think David would have felt in 1 Samuel chapter 25 and verse 1? When it says Samuel died and all Israel assembled to mourn for him and they buried him by his home in Ramah and David went down to the wilderness of Paran. A friend, a mentor, a father figure, a spiritual leader, the person that you would trust in. You could imagine David might have looked forward to the day whenever God's promises would come true and he'd become king and Samuel would be there to advise him. He'd be at his right hand telling him God's will and helping him do what's right and then he's gone. Have you lost anyone before? And maybe it's to death. Maybe it's to them moving away or uh, getting transferred or just for some reason a distance growing between you and someone that you really trusted in, that you really relied upon, that you really looked to for help and strength. What do you do? How do you replace that? Maybe more broadly, what are the types of people that I should be looking for in my life to help me? You may have had somebody. When you lose them, you really have to think this through. But maybe you've never had somebody like that in your life. Somebody you could count on. Somebody who could help you. Someone who is there for you. What am I looking for in someone that could give me advice and help me and protect me? First Samuel 25 is actually an interesting chapter because while it begins with the loss of Samuel, it introduces us to a character that, frankly, I don't think many people would have ever expected could have helped David to navigate the troubles and challenges he would face in his life. And frankly, for a lot of us, we may kind of have um, a sort of set image of the type of person that we need to help us. Maybe it's somebody, they need to have been through the same experience as me. They need to be of the same generation and age as me. Or they need to be older than me. Or they need to have more success than me in my career or in my spiritual walk. or what. We have all these kind of images of what, what I need in some sort of spiritual advisor. But 1 Samuel 25 is great. Because I think it helps give us a different perspective, a better perspective, a true perspective on the type of counselors we need in our lives. They don't have to be professionals. They don't have to be people who've walked in your shoes. But they do need some things. All right, 1 Samuel 25, 
David sends his men to a man named Nabal. Nabal was a rich dude who had a bunch of livestock who David and his men had helped out and protected while their guys were out there in the fields taking care of their animals. And so they basically say, hey, we helped you out for all this time. Maybe you could hook us up with some food. You know, I know it's time for you bringing in all your produce from uh, from your, your labor, so why don't we, you know, kind of make a little deal here. Nabal totally disrespects David, uh, insults him, says no. David says, all right, you know what? It's over. I'm going to go kill this dude. Overreaction. I mean, Nabal, jerk. The text actually says that he was just a bad man, a fool, a bitter, bad sort of person. Um, But David, not a great response. Somebody disrespected me, so I'm going to go murder him and all of his household. Not cool. Well, it's at this point we get introduced to the character who is presented as a wise counselor, presented to us, the readers, as somebody that David could trust, somebody that David could look to, somebody that he could rely upon for counsel and advice and perspective whenever he was going through things. And that's Nabal's wife, Abigail. The beginning of the story describes her in verse 3, says the woman was intelligent and beautiful, but the man was a Calebite, harsh and evil in his dealings. The servants get wind of what David's going to do, and so they run to Abigail. And here we start learning what kind of counselor we should have. By the way, the end of the story ends up great. So in case you're wondering, this ends up fine. David doesn't kill the people, etc. And the reason is because of the counsel of this good woman, Abigail. I might note with you, uh, this woman had been given no promises by God that she was going to rule. She was a woman, not a man. A married woman, not a man who's out on the run in the wilderness. Um, To our knowledge, she never fought in any battles like David. She didn't have the same experiences as him. And yet we're going to see that David trusts her. What was it about her that made her trustworthy? How could he find help from her? He had lost someone who had been a source of strength, someone he would have looked to in troubles. But he finds someone here in Abigail. What is it about her? What kind of qualities did she possess that we should look for in counselors that we may uh, go to for help. The first thing was right there in the text in uh, in verse 3. She was intelligent. I guess that kind of makes sense. I almost don't even want to spend any time on it because, yeah, duh, you don't want to go to a stupid counselor. Go to somebody who's intelligent. How's that intelligence going to manifest, though? What does intelligence actually look like? Does it mean you have a bunch of degrees? Does it mean you speak with big words? Does it? What does it mean to be an intelligent person? Well, let's find out. I told you the servants ran to her and said, hey, David's on the warpath. Our master did this. You know how he can get, and he just totally ruined it, and we're in trouble. I think here besides intelligence or one aspect of intelligence that we learn here in this text is that a good counselor is someone who's approachable. And I don't mean by that they're just like the most buddy-buddy, friendly, nice person. They may be kind of quiet. They may be kind of awkward, but they're willing to hear you out. The servants don't go to their master, presumably because they think he's not going to listen to us. He's not approachable. He won't listen. But Abigail will. She's someone that the servants knew would listen and would figure out what to do. By the way, they knew she was smart because they said, now consider, seven, verse 17, now consider carefully what you should do because we're in trouble if not. She was approachable. A good counselor is someone who's intelligent. And that intelligence manifests in being approachable, being willing to listen. But that's not the end of it. Uh, you see in verse 18, it says, Abigail hurried, taking 200 loaves of bread, two clay jars of wine, and it lists off all this food. But I just want to focus on that first line. She hurried. She took action A good counselor is someone who's diligent, who demonstrates in their life that they don't sit back and just let things happen. They are people of action, whether in their own life to address their own problems or in stepping up to try to do what they can for you. They're someone who's diligent, who's eager. That doesn't mean they do everything for you, but they're somebody who are diligent people, 
They're people of action. Intelligence, approachability, diligence. What else was special about Abigail that made her a good counselor, that makes her the type of person that we would want to look to? Well, she assembles all this food. Basically, she's going to try to cut David off and say, hey, here's a bunch of food. Sorry, my husband's such a jerk. Can you please not? But on the way, David and his men are strapped up for battle. David is is shouting out to his men, we're going to go, we're going to kill every single man there. We're going to destroy this whole dude's house. I mean, David is hot, and she knew about it. But listen to what she does in verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off the donkey and knelt down with her face to the ground and paid homage to David. She knelt at his feet and said, The guilt is mine, my lord, but please let your servant speak to you directly. Listen to the words of your servant. You know what a good counselor is? A good counselor is brave. This lady threw herself in harm's way. I mean, David is about to kill some folks. And she says, hey, I'm right here. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you first. You ever try to talk to a crazy person? Somebody really angry and upset? That takes some guts. That takes some boldness. That takes some bravery. A good counselor is somebody who's brave. Brave enough to tell you what you need to hear. Brave enough to stand up whenever somebody needs to stand up. A good counselor is somebody who's brave. But that's not all. When you look in the story right here, there's something else about her. In her bravery, she doesn't hop off her donkey and put her hands on her hips and say, how dare you come out? You know, that would be a form of bravery and boldness that we might instantly think of. But that's not her bravery and boldness. Her bravery manifests in humility. She falls on her face. She kneels at his feet. She calls herself your servant. Actually, if you read through the entire speech, which we're not going to do, there's this long, impassioned speech convincing David to not do this thing. And she does two things. One, she refers to herself as his servant. Well, she's the woman who's married to the wealthy guy. David is the one who's a fugitive, an enemy of the state, on the run. Who's the servant of who? But that's the way she thinks of herself, your servant. Not only that, she speaks glowingly of David, once again, who wasn't, by all accounts, looking like somebody who's really doing well right now, but she speaks well of him. She's humble. A good counselor is not somebody who just has all the answers, knows everything, thinks they're smarter than everybody. No. Their boldness and their bravery, their intelligence, their diligence to do, it's wrapped up. It's woven throughout with humility, an understanding of their place before God and of not thinking that they're more important or better than other people. Yeah, if I got some stuff to say, I'm going to say it, but it's not because of some superiority. We see an absolute and total humility in Abigail, which made her a good counselor. All right, she's intelligent. She's approachable. She's diligent. She's brave. And she's humble. There's another thing, and it's said right here in the text that I think is worth saying. You know, actually, I'll pause. I'm going to save that for the last one here. She's also honest. So I will say this one. She is honest. Verse 25, she says, My Lord, speaking about David, right? My master. Uh, back to the humility thing. My Lord should pay no attention to this worthless fool Nabal, for he lives up to his name. His name means stupid, and stupidity is all he knows. How many women like to talk about their husbands that way? Now, you might say, well, lots of people, I like to talk about my husband that way. Well, you probably shouldn't talk about your spouse that way. But here's the deal. She's out here protecting her husband and all her husband's business ventures and all his servants and all this kind of stuff. And so it's not like she's vindictive about him. I know some people like to call their husband stupid, but that's usually in in some sort of vindictive, mean-spirited kind of way. She's not doing that. She's out here trying to protect him, but she is honest. He's stupid, all right? He's an idiot. I don't know what to tell you. 
He's, he's this way. This is how he acts, and it's bad, and it's wrong. She's honest. And she's honest about a lot of other things. I mean, she talks to David about the implications of his actions. If you do this, it'll ruin a lot of other good things that you've done. And remember the good things God has done through you. Don't do this. Don't, don't act like this. She's honest. She's direct. She's forthright with him. So important, man. Sometimes we go to people for counsel, and we don't want them to be honest. We want them to tell us what we want to hear. We want them to tell us what will make us feel good in that moment. A good counselor is somebody who's bold and brave enough, and yes, humble enough, to risk their relationship with you by being honest, by telling you what you really need to hear. That's a good counselor. Abigail's a good counselor because she's intelligent. She's approachable. She's diligent. She's going to take, she's a woman of action. Um, she's bold and brave. She's humble. She's honest. Two more things. She's a woman of faith. I mean, deep faith. You read throughout this story, and most of what she's talking about is God. She's talking about what God had promised to David and how God was going to fulfill his promise to David. She has this pretty cool little way she alludes to David with the David and Goliath story. She talks about David being like a, a stone in a sling that God's using, clearly saying like, hey, I remember what God did with you. She's a woman of deep faith. And that's the most important thing, y'all. Man, people can run a practice, have all kinds of degrees, have written books, have read books, have all kinds of different tactics, but if they're not people of faith, then they're really not going to be a good counselor to you ultimately. They may be able to give you some good advice, don't get me wrong, and this, that, and the third thing. But in general, and in setting out the path of your life, don't rely on people who aren't people of deep faith. And this is where even within church, we can look to people that are like us, or we look to people that have worldly success, and they're Christian. Oh, great. This person is so successful in business, or they're so intelligent in whatever field of study, and they're Christian. I'll look to them. But that little lady in the corner, I don't think she has much to say to me. I don't think she knows much about whatever it is that I'm going through, so I shouldn't have it. Dude, if she's a person of faith, then she's the person you need to listen to. Because that's the thing. That's the thing that made Abigail intelligent. That's the thing that no doubt made her so humble and bold, that made her somebody that was approachable, that would listen to other people and actually care about other people. That's what gave her a spirit of diligence, was what she knew God was doing in the world. And so she had to do it right alongside him. Faith is essential for good counselors. And people who don't have faith, they're just not going to be good counselors for us. At least in the last one. All right, so she was an intelligent woman. She's approachable. She's diligent. She's bold. She's brave. She's humble. She's honest about what things really are. And she's a person of faith. She's also gracious. I'll read verse 31. She's, well, verse 30. When the Lord does for my Lord all the good he promised you, faith, and appoints you ruler over Israel, there will be no remorse or a troubled conscience for my Lord because of needless bloodshed or my Lord's revenge. And when the Lord does good things for my Lord, may you remember me, your servant. You can hear the humility. You can hear her boldness. You can hear her faith. You can hear her into all those things. But this whole story is about a woman who was filled with grace. What do you think it was like living with a husband who was a fool, who was hateful, whose own servants know no business talking to Nabal. He'll just... What do you think that was like for her day in and day out? She could have said, you know what, y'all? Let's all leave, all of us. We'll get together. We'll all leave, sneak off in the, in the middle of the day or in the middle of the night, whatever. And then David will come and just kill Nabal, and then we'll have the estate to ourselves. She could have done that, but she doesn't. She was a woman of grace. She protected her husband. She protected all the people in her household. She even was protecting David against himself because she thought about others and how she could give for their good. 
rather than how she could receive for her own. I mean, I don't have to tell you. That's the kind of person you want in your life, giving you advice, giving you counsel, helping you through your troubles. Is a person who, because of the faith that they have in God, because of the humility they have about themselves, because of the grace that fills their heart, they know how to give advice. All that intelligence and that diligence, it means something. Their boldness is actually something that helps, not something that crushes you. Their humility isn't something that is just out of a spirit of uh, feeling small about themselves. It's actually about how big they know God has impacted them and they want to extend that to others. And yeah, when they're honest, it hurts, but they don't want to hurt you because they're trying to do it to help you. Everything that they do, every faith that they have, every action they take is out of grace. That's the real people you need in your life. And you need to find people like that in your life. And if you can't find people in your life like that, I'll tell you, there's, a, there's an old Christian hymn. There's not a friend. There's not a counselor. There's not somebody who could help you like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. No friend like him is so high and holy. No, not one. And yet no friend is so meek and lowly. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. And he will guide till the day is done. You may not be able to find a good counselor on earth around you to help you out. But Jesus is there to be your friend, your guide, your counselor. He's not like Samuel who passed away and was lost. He's not even like Abigail who was only around for a little while. He's always there and he always will be to take us through. The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.